welcome to the book cave. Today I'm here with uh, author Delwyn Jenkins. Delwyn, <laughs> welcome to the book cave, Thank Delwyn. You. Great to have you here. Thank you. Delwyn is a, uh, a multi-published author, uh, three publishers I think so yes. far, Delwyn, yep. and you're an e-publisher. Yes. I'm very keen to hear about that. I'm sure print soon, but certainly e for now. So e-publishing. It, primarily it's about where your readership is and most of my readers I write I write romance so it's fairly spicy and most of my readers are in the ebook market so for me print while it would be nice to hold a print book it's not really where my readers are so most publishers who publish what I write publish in e okay so e obviously digital so yep. therefore we're reading on a screen we're yep. reading on a kindle an ipad a yep. phone yep yeah all of the above yeah. fantastic yeah. and a broad demographic obviously. yeah yeah it, it's the same most i think most romance genres have a pretty broad spectrum of readers anyway even people who prefer you know like i write hot and spicy but that doesn't mean they're not check out chicks english professors you know like it runs the whole gamut the same as every other subgenre does it's just a matter of whether you like the door open or shut in your sex scenes okay <laughs> door open or shut so are you a door open yes tell, tell us a bit more so about that. so really all that means is when you follow along the relationship i used to read um very early on in my probably late teens i read um epic fantasy and always with the I'll always follow the romance side of it. Yeah. And I'd get really invested in them and I'd be really interested. And just when it got really good, they'd shut the door. And it was so frustrating, I can't tell you. So when I started writing, I took my readers into the bedroom and I followed along because I feel when two characters come together in that physically intimate space, they become emotionally intimate as well, the way I write. So that's when they get really interesting to me. It peels back not just you're not just stripping off layers of clothes, but you're stripping off layers of protection and emotional business as well. So I, that's what I find really interesting. And often when I'm writing, I don't really get to know the characters really well until I write that first sex scene. And that's when I start to really kick into who they are. So as a reader, I like to, to do that too. So when we talk about door open or door shut, I always say, I invite my readers in, put them in a lounge chair, give them a bowl of popcorn and <laughs> off we go. <laughs> okay. So writing sex scenes, mm. that must be interesting. Uh, yeah. it's. Um, I wrote in my first series I had a, a critique partner and she read it and she said, oh, these are really sexy. You should try reading. You should try writing erotic romance. And I went, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know how I, oh, I don't know. And I was a bit not sure. And then I was between books and I went, oh, well, I might as well have a swing at it because really it's just me and the computer. If it's terrible, no one has to know. <laughs> so so I had a swing at it and I found I really liked it and I was actually writing with a particular publisher in mind and they write, they're, they're, they were quite well known for publishing really spicy erotic romance and it was almost like it allowed me to take the brake, to take my foot off the brake. Right. So it, and I went places where I never thought I'd go. So having that... Um, that kind of freedom to write whatever came into my head, knowing that no one else had to read it if it was terrible. Um, and, I, and I found I've got a facility for it. So, But I tend to write, even though they're explicit in language and description, I try to always I try to always make it really sensual and I try to always make it about the relationship and it's really about the emotional connection. I tend not to write sex scenes between people who don't already really love each other, whether they admit it to, to themselves or others or not. So I don't do in my books and I'm, I'm okay with other people doing it and I'm okay to read it but I don't do casual sex I don't do 
angry sex. I don't do – it's just not what I write. Okay. So if you're writing explicit sex mm. – how, and, and you're talking about erotic romance. So what's the difference between an erotic romance and, say, pornography? I think the idea, because people do, some some people and some writers call what they do word porn or porn. And the idea of it being porn, like the idea of my work being a masturbatory aid, drives me crazy. Like, really? are you? Like, I've spent six months on that book and I'm doing my best to make it really beautiful. And then someone comes up with that. Or they call it smutty or dirty and it makes me really cranky. So... The, really, the term erotic romance for me just means that it's explicit in description and language, and it also means that you're going right into the bedroom door with the chair and your popcorn bowl, so, yep. you know, strap yourself in. And often with, with erotic romance um, within that umbrella, there's a lot of taboos that are examined. There's um, often it's often there's fringe sex, like, you know, in the BDSM community or menage there'll be more than one you know or three or four partners so it's quite expansive and there's lots of people who don't like reading about sex and so if you just label it as erotic romance then they then they know exactly what it is right or conversely people who do like reading really spicy books they just know what they're hitting when you talk about erotic romance so the the the, i suppose is if it's an erotic romance and perhaps you can expand on that but the book that most people out the world now obviously is Fifty Shades of Grey yeah, and yeah. everyone's going to bring that up yeah. and everyone's going to sort of ask yeah. about that. But is that an erotic romance? Not for me, no, no. And I, why not? I, I, I have big problems with and I, I don't, I'm really reluctant to bag other authors but my, my problem with Fifty Shades of Grey is there's consent issues that I find really disturbing and at its core it's really about a naive virgin being hunted by a sexual predator like a very sophisticated sexually predative male who's much older than her and it's disturbing on very many levels for me because because of the consent issues because of the kind of stuff he's introducing her to without her having enough knowledge it's about and her committing to that lifestyle without being fully aware of what's involved for her there's a scene where she they do a scene together and she doesn't like it but she doesn't use a safe word well where's your brain dude you know really that's the whole point so it's there was lots of things there and to me it felt very disrespectful to the bdsm community because she clearly hadn't done a lot of research into what it entailed and for me really he was he was a very broken man who was beating out his demons on women and that's yeah. not really bdsm is really about an ex, a power exchange and it's about two people coming together discussing what's allowable and what's not and at the end of the day it it might not sound like but at the end of the day the submissive has all the power because she or he is the one with the safe word once that once they have the safe word everything stops so they have ultimate control so that's the power exchange but in 50 shades of gray i didn't find any power exchange i felt he had all the power and the fact that he wouldn't let her say no the fact he turned up at her work when she said not to like there's a whole range of things and really if he had been some broke bloke living out of his car he would have been in jail for stalking you know or he would have been on an episode of criminal minds like mm. so there's the whole so why the success then why the hundred million copies I, I i don't know i think it's a combination of brilliant marketing like brilliant and to the point where and then this has nothing to do with the author because you know what good luck to her if she can you know but i had real issues with because that content is very adult the content in that book is very adult and I had really big problems with it being in the impulse islet. 
at Target or, you know, in, mm. in the in a big like in a you're going to pay petrol and there's fifty shades of grey or you know, at a place where eleven and twelve year old boys can open the page and giggle over it and think that's what sex is. Like it, I had really big issues with that, which is not her fault at all. No. And you know, for what I write, I don't want I don't want anyone under eighteen reading my books because it's not appropriate. So, and it's the same with and particularly with Fifty Shades because I had those consent issues. I I I had real concerns, and so um, and also I think because it because it got legs because of that marketing thing and it got legs and everyone was talking about it, people were buying it, and some people who had never read erotic romance, it opened up a whole new world. Mm. Like it was really exciting for them, and and. And this whole, a whole, a whole reading genre that they'd never even thought about suddenly laid open. And there were others who read it and who didn't like it, but read it because everyone was talking about it. So it, yes. it bounced along like that. But there, but for people like me who have been reading erotic romance for a long time, I go, I understand what the fuss is about because I've been reading that stuff for years and there's, there's books out there that I would much prefer to read than Fifty Shades of Grey. There's much better authors mm. out there than than E.L. James, in my opinion. So, you know, and but that's nothing to take away from her because she wrote the book and she got it out there and she's making money and good luck to her. But the marketing on that was genius, genius marketing. Like even, for example, I went into Maya to buy pantyhose, you know, and I got up to the counter and there was a whole display of Fifty Shades of Grey at the – and I went, you know what, like that's okay, women's lingerie, but – when it's in, you know, when it's in Target and Kmart, I'm going, it's not the right content for, yeah, for to be being on the shelf for everybody to read. Interesting, interesting. So when you're writing sex scenes then, mm. I, I think people ask this question a lot, don't they? They often ask you about the research. <laughs> you know, um, men tend to. Oh. Either, either, either men are absolutely terrified and they go, <gasps> And, they get, and then we'll talk about something else. Or they'll, they'll go, ooh, sex bicycles. Or, you know, and they go, ooh, do you want me to do the research on the sex scene? They can give me a bit of a nudge. And I go, well, I kill people in my books. Do you want to help with the research for that? And then they go, no. Nah. <laughs> so that's usually my, that's usually my comeback because really uh, it's funny to me how sex is that weird, it's that weird little subject where, you know, when I talk about uh, that I write really spicy books, a lot of people, including women, go, oh, I don't write sexy. Oh, I don't want to read about sex in my books. Mm. <laughs> I don't go, dude, that says more about you than it says about me. But or, And I don't care. Like, yeah, I respect yeah. that. That's okay. But it's funny how people people are quite happy for me to use my imagination to build worlds or to set a story on a different planet or, you know, like I have talking dragons in my books, for God's sake. No one has a problem with that. But the sex, all of a sudden, like somehow that I can't imagine sex. Like, you know, well, yeah, I actually do. And I don't think people realise that when you're writing, your characters become so real in your own mind that they're their own people. So even in the sex scenes, the characters the characters drive that. You know, I might have a character who who's really playful and fun and so that sex scene is going to develop much different to someone who's who's had a trauma or he's really buttoned down or controlling. <coughs> so it's all it's all really character driven and the and the idea of a good sex scene, which I always strive for, I don't know if I always hit it, but I always strive with a sex scene, it has to change something. It has mm. to change something between the characters. It has to drive the action forward. We have to learn something or we have to have a question asked. It has to it has to push the push the story forward. So a sex scene just for the sake of it, it's not particularly interesting to anybody. And it's not really what it's for because it, everything in your book should work. Everything in, you sh- in your book should show character or drive the action forward or 
push the plot in a different direction and that that includes the sex scenes as well. Right. And that certainly seems to me something that you're very good at achieving Thank you. In, in your books. I haven't read your Allura's Cave books. We'll talk about that in a moment. But I've certainly really enjoyed the, uh, the Watchtower Chronicles. The idea of those was um, really early on. I, I was reading a lot of paranormals and they had witches in them where clearly people had done no research into the old religions. They had never met a Wiccan practitioner in their life. And it was driving me a bit bonkers. So... And I also really like the idea, I not long read um, J.R. Ward's books with oh, yes. the Black Dagger Brotherhood, and I really like that idea of that that warrior archetype because I I spent 10 years in the Navy, so the warrior archetype's my comfortable place. I, that's the kind of man I admire and the kind of environment where I'm really comfortable. So my nearly all my heroes are warriors of some description. Um, and so I decided to write a book about witches and put in like real practices so i i started thinking about it and for most earth religions um that it's all about the elements so it's earth earth, air wind and fire so it made sense to me to have a witch to have a skill set in each of those each of those elements but i also like ensemble i like the idea of um family of choice as well as blood family Mm. so i came up with the idea of the 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 idea of the girls walk, working together in fours. So even though they're in control of each element, working together, it becomes greater than the sum of its parts. Yep. And th- and that's when the true power comes. And it, and that's true with a lot of a lot of um, of the old religions, a lot of the Wiccan stuff. It's all very collaborative. So they, when you cast a circle, everybody in the circle is supposed to be on the same page, but they're not always. But um, <laughs> so so everybody's supposed to have the same. You set your intention, so everybody's intention's the same, and you you come from love so all of that stuff i wanted to try and invest in the books as well okay well, you did a great job but i also like the the actual the watchtower guards themselves yes, yeah who are meant to be kind of companions and protectors yeah to the witches yeah and then they also have powers which then combine with the well i won't say too much because i don't want to give them away because <laughs> they're a really good read Thank you. um and and very creative but i also like the fact that you in these books you actually draw on the old catholic tradition too so you've got the pagan wiccan tradition but also the villain malleus mm. and that of course is yeah. from the um awful yeah. catholic doctrine i think from it was the like, a, like a 13th 13th century mm. book, the malleus, and malleus malefactorum malefactorum yeah. and it's pretty much the witch's hammer and it's a handbook on how to kill witches like dead set a handbook mm. so when i was looking for a name for my villain because he's i wanted him also the villain to be not a two-dimensional mustache twirler like i wanted <laughs> him to, to have his own personality and his own flaws and his own achilles heel and a bit of a humour, like yeah. a bit. And so he thinks it's hilarious that he's named, like that's not his real name, but he thinks it's hilarious that he's named himself after this book. And his his army, he calls them Hammers because the book is the it was, was subtitled The Witch's Hammer. And only repealed in 1963. Yeah, I think, so. that is terrifying. Very yeah. terrifying, given that women in the Malleus are, are blamed for every evil in the world. Yeah. Much. So yeah. interesting. But, uh, but moving on. But one thing, okay, that I find really interesting, and um, I think it's actually a, a, a um, repeating a theme in your in your novels, uh, because I'm I'm now talking about um, the Gendari yeah. books, and this is the first one, Tempting Flame, which is a really lovely paranormal romance uh, with other world characters, so aliens who come yeah. to Earth. Um, but something I think is a recurring theme in your novels that I actually really like, and it really harks back to 
you talking about the sex scenes in your book, and I don't want to go on and on about the sex yeah. scenes, but what I think is so interesting, and I'm going to give you a couple of quotes yeah. here. Um, really, this is what I find um, really resonates in your novels generally, is the attitude of men to women mm. in the books. And this is what's so refreshing and quite different from, I think, some other um, erotic, whether they're romances or just erotic fiction. How he made her feel emotionally and physically, how magical it was to be cherished, to be respected and desired. And then later on your heroine says he understood her, he respected her and he admired her. And I think is this something that really um, strikes a deep chord with you, that this, in fact, beyond the sexual fantasy, beyond the romantic fantasy, that the fantasy is actually about finding a man who esteems the woman. Yep. Is that yep. am I I I um because I write alphas and you better explain it. Okay, so the alpha the the idea of an <coughs> an alpha male is the big, strong, confident, protective, sometimes beat your chest, you know. Um and I find a lot of writers confuse the or not writers and readers as well, confuse the idea of an alpha with an a hole. You know? <laughs> Like really, and so that that idea that and and I love the idea and see this, I suppose this is my romantic fantasy. Yeah. I love the idea of a man being so strong and so confident in his own masculinity that he's not threatened by a strong woman and he's not bothered by a woman who wants to stand up for herself and he's not in in the second book in the witch series the girl is particularly prickly and at one point she she loses her temper and does her nut. And the guy who's in love with it just kind of steps back and goes, oh, there she goes. And he doesn't kind of go, oh, don't lose your temper and don't step in. You know, he just waits for her to do her thing. And then when it gets a bit beyond, he just steps in front of her and he goes, you might want to take a breath, sweetness. <laughs> like, you know, you're stepping, you know. But he doesn't, there's so, and as I think too being um, ex-military, when I was in the Navy, I was blessed to have really lovely, lovely male friends because I I was in the Navy in the days when it was 5% female Mm. and I had lovely friends and the boys were always really protective and very kind and very much a family. They were very much like I was like their little sister and they were very protective. And when I left the Navy, uh, I was in a relationship that, that got very ugly and I didn't know how to protect myself. I'd never had to. I'd never had to stand up for myself. I'd never been treated with anything but respect. I'd never, I didn't even know how. So that idea of, you know, men being really protective, which I really love because I'm a bit of a princess archetype, you know, <laughs> but it's not always, it's not always helpful because when there are times when you do have to stand on your, stand on your own two feet, you're not always equipped to do that. And I like to write, you know, really strong, interesting women. And especially with the witchy books, these girls are supposed to be really powerful in their own right. Yep. So, of course, they're going to be, you know, and they're independent, they're smart, they're well-educated. So I tried to write in the idea that the boys, even though they're perfectly capable of stepping in, they don't because they respect a woman's right to stand up for herself. Yep. And I like the idea of, of um, you know, of a guy saying, I'm right here with you. If you need me, put your hand up. If you don't, you know, I'll just stand and watch, you know, rather than stepping in because I find that stepping in, I actually really like it, but it's really dangerous because you get to a point where you're relying on other people all the yes. time to step in for you and it can get really ugly. So, and that, and I've, I've heard people say often about romance, particularly men, that 
it gives a woman a false idea of what a relationship is. And really romance, all romance really is, is about two people who love and respect each other. And so if a woman is being given a false sense of what romance is when she's reading about a hero who treats his love with courtesy and respect, doesn't say much for the real world, does it? Like, really? And so, you know, I mean, I know it's not sunshine. You mean that's the fantasy. If the fantasy yeah. is to actually find well, a man who treats a woman well, yeah. just as a matter of course, yeah. that's a bit tragic. It is. When, yeah. when people say, oh, romance gives, you know, an illusion and, it's, and it leads. And also my other thing is I can read a science fiction book and no one has to tell me that it's not real. Like, no one has to tell me that, you know, we're not living with robots or it's not 1984. Yet somehow if I read romance, my brain falls out and someone has to tell me that it's fiction. Like, dude, really? Well, that leads me, of course, to to someone like, say, Germaine Greer, mm. who, when she wrote The Female Eunuch, had a lot to say about the evils of romance fiction. Yeah. And she once described women who read romance fiction as cherishing the chains of their bondage. Did she? She did. How interesting. Obviously, mm. never read my book. <laughs> Clearly not. That's true. I know. Well, you know, that's because I'm a card-carrying feminist. Like, I'm all, I'm all about that. But I don't. I don't see how loving someone, if you love the right person, I don't see how it can detract from who you are. Mm. If you love the right person and they love you for who you are and they see you, which doesn't always happen, so people yes. can often love you but not actually see you or really have any idea what makes you tick. But when you're in that, that ideal relationship where you, it's where you love each other and you see each other for who you are, flaws and all, I don't understand how anyone wouldn't want that. You know, and romance really is about relationships. And I don't think there's anyone who doesn't want to be in a relationship or wishes they weren't in a relationship or swears they're never going to be in a relationship or wants to be in someone else's relationship. Like we're geared, we're geared to partner up. Mm. So I, you know, I don't, that whole thing about romance being poo-pooed makes me cranky because there's really, there's, there's like any genre, there's books that aren't great and there are books that are fabulous. That's, yes, I think that's a fair call. So, Greer, I think, argued that men had no idea about women's fantasies. So the fantasy, and perhaps this is obviously back in yeah. the 70s, yeah. and I think that, look, I don't think she's altogether wrong, no, certainly back either. then, when mm. in fact a lot of so-called romance fiction or genre fiction um, depicted sex as often as a rape scene yep. or, you know, yep. women, you know, no means yes, um, and women being, you know, suppressed or, or oppressed or controlled, you know, controlled yeah. or yeah. having yeah. this super strong alpha male yeah. who was a different kind of alpha male than the one you're talking about. So I don't think, I think that hopefully we've evolved from I, there. And I think? think so too. I think, I think romance has gone through a real transformation. I, as I said before, I used to read, I, I used to read um, epic fantasy that was kind of in my late teens. And when I was a teenager. <laughs> so such as an epic fantasy. Well, I like, God, magician. You know, yeah, all yeah. of like, you know, and I tended, and even then I tended to gravitate towards female authors because I liked, okay. I liked character driven more than event driven. Yep. I was more interested in character. So, so even then I was leaning towards women writers. But I, I, um, with that, with that, it, it, when, you know, when I was kind of, I don't know, 15, 16, the only thing, uh, the only kind of romance around were Mills and Boone mm. and the Bodice Rippers. That was pretty much it. And there's nothing wrong with Mills and Boone, but it wasn't, it didn't feed my fantasy brain. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't, you know, and the Bodice Rippers, again, wasn't really, the women didn't connect with me at all. So so I read, you know, a lot of science fiction, a lot of fantasy, all on the track, and then 
and then probably I was probably in my early 30s, maybe even a bit older, and someone introduced me to J.R. Ward. Someone said, oh, you should read this book. And, you know, he was really strong women. He was an imaginary, like a really beautifully crafted imaginary world, really strong alphas who weren't a-holes. Like, so it was all, it was, it ticked a lot of, so then it's a, it's a bit like people who came to romance again through Fifty Shades. It opened a door. Right. It opened a door to, to modern romance and the umbrella that we now have is huge and it goes from, you know, historical, science fiction, paranormal, contemporary, like there's a huge range and for heat level, you can read a book where they don't even kiss until the end or you can read a book where they're having sex on the third page. Right. You know, like there's a there's a huge spectrum now. So I think and I think romance makes up fifty percent of all book book sales in the States. So I'm sure it's I'm sure it's comparable here. Um, because it is a big umbrella and there is something for everyone and if you don't like one kind of romance, read something else. So tell me more about paranormal. Paranormal again is a really big umbrella. So anything that has, like, for example, my books are based on modern-day witches. Yep. And because there's actual magic in it, it's classed as paranormal. So it's my books, who are about normal modern-day girls, sits right alongside books with vampires in it, sits right alongside books with shapeshifters. So, it, you know, it's a big it's a big umbrella that covers a lot of ground. And it's really, you know, it's really magic realism. It's Most of the time it's our world reimagined there's a new world oh, like okay. it's really just our world with something new laid over the top for example like the jr ward books she's overlaid that vampire culture on our real world in my book i've overlaid the witches on our real world nalini singh overlays her her um with the sight changeling series that's overlaid on our real world so that's kind of for paranormal that's kind of the that mm. the, the, the loose gauge Does twilight qualify yeah. as paranormal yeah okay yeah yeah right. for sure so, as you say it's thing. a broad yeah. Range. Yeah, it's a very broad. Okay. A broad... So you've actually been published in Paranormal Romance, but by three different publishers. Yes. yes. So tell us a bit. So now, Allura's Cave, yeah. they were really a, quite a big American company, did a lot of publishing. Yeah. But they went belly up yeah. last year. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So Allura's Cave were really early on, they were really at the forefront. They were doing ebooks before ebooks were even a thing. You used to be able to download. A book and then you drop it onto a CD and read it off the CD before e-readers. Like they were oh. right out in front and they pretty much specialised in erotic romance. So it's the only other it's the only other publisher I know other than Harlequin Mills and Boone where people people will go to the publisher rather than pursue an author. Like if I wanted to read something a bit spicy, I'd go to the Allura Cave website and have a look at what what was on offer. So. They and they were going great guns for quite a while. And when I read, when I wrote that series, because it's a menage series, so there's two boys and a girl in the one relationship. When I wrote that series, I wrote it with Alora's Cave in mind. They were the only publisher I was really interested in going to. So I sent off the book and they accepted it and it was all quite delightful. And then I sent in my second book and it was all quite delightful. And then the royalty check started skipping and missing. And by the time I sent in my third book, They'd stop paying me altogether. <laughs> so for about two years, they didn't pay me at all, and I'm and I was not alone. Right. And I know a lot of other authors. Some authors had 10, 12 books with them. Like, yeah, really. Um, and I think it was just I don't it was a combination of a lot of things. But I think they they got a bit complacent. I think when the rest of the publishing world started catching, catching up, up, they didn't keep moving forward. They just stayed where they were, and they got overtaken. Oh. And um, then um, Amazon started publishing their own authors and they were focusing on their own authors so the smaller boutique publishers were getting a 
pretty hard deal. Right. So all that was going on as well. And I think they just, I think they just dropped the ball, but they dropped it in a big way. Like they, they would owe gajillions to their authors, like gajillions. So, but it's one of those things, you know, that's publishing. Sometimes that happens and, it, and it's really, really rotten. And, you know, I wish it was something else, but that's what it is. And you've just got to go righto. Yeah. Righto. So I, I got my rights back to those books and I'm, and I'm going to finish the series and then shop it with a, another publisher. So how many books did you have in that series? I had three out, but there's six in the series. There will be six in the series. And what's that series? That's um, It's a uh, science fiction and it's a menage. So there's three boys, uh, two boys and a girl. So there's three in the rela- three people in the relationship. So now when there's a menage, it, because the only only menage that I've ever seen, yeah. you know, um, out there in the in the media was in that um, wonderful BBC British series Coupling, and yeah. they use it as a joke. Yeah. Where in fact yeah. um, one of the girls offers one of the guys a menage, and she's he's really excited. But when he goes up to the hotel room. They're joined by another man. Yes. <laughs> and so his fantasy, yeah. obviously, is of yeah. two women yeah. and just yeah. him. Well, and, well, and so yes. that's sort of, you know, that was my first ever, like, it was a, it was a joke. It's a, well, it's it was a, really you know. weird because it's not where my, it's not normally where my brain goes, but I had this, when, when my critique partner said, you should really write erotic romance. And I know with, again, with Alora's Cave, because they write erotic romance, there's a lot of menage and there's a lot of all sorts of things. And more than sometimes there's four or five people in a relationship, which I couldn't juggle. That's too much for me. <laughs> but but I had this idea. I had this idea, this scene in my head where there was two men walking along on a spaceship, two men walk along the corridor, the open door, and there's a girl tied up like she'd been, you know, kidnapped or something, and she was tied up in this cupboard. And that was all I had. Oddly enough, that doesn't appear anywhere. But that, <laughs> but that was my kickoff. That was my kickoff. And I went, oh, maybe aliens. So I started thinking about... The idea of you know they're on this planet and the um and because again with my fantasy background I like the idea of an of a society that's advanced but not industrialized so I had this I had this idea that on one continent it's um you know spaceships and all but on the other continent they have ion storms and and technology doesn't work so they have, mm-hmm. so they've got alchemists and they get light by putting a crystal and a, and a moss together and that creates so you know so yeah. so there's no electricity there's no computers there's no on this so I was working along with that and then so on the on the the northern continent it's pretty much owned by a company and so they in order to long story blah blah but anyway they release this virus and it means that only male children are born and pregnancies are really difficult so there's not very many women so the women come into the the northern hemisphere but on the southern hemisphere nobody they like women are hard to get so the bad guys kidnap a whole bunch of women from earth and the good guys sneak a shuttle in steal one shuttle's worth of women and take them away and so that so the concept of you know that's a long-winded way of saying because the women there's a shortfall of women Mm. and these the the two boys that they're dragon riders they ride dragons and they're they're the warrior class and they, they, they're dragons because they're dragons are paired, the boys partner up. So they, they live in the den with the two dragons and the boys just partner up and they're, and they're brothers really, like they're for each other's family. So when this girl comes in, one of the boys is really keen and he thinks the only way, the best way for him to keep her is for them both, to, for, them, for him to bring his brother, brother in arms really, not his actual brother, yeah. but bring him into the relationship because he figures – if they both fight for her, they might be able to keep her. That's really the basic idea. Right. So they're not lovers before, but because once they start being involved with her, and and that and 
which you you probably won't know with menage they're quite specific about how it works so if it's the men only touching the woman it's mfm but if the men touch each other as well as the girl it's mms oh it's quite apparently quite specific i didn't know that when i started writing either i didn't know that so but but i you know blokes really if like if you're naked in bed with another body you're not going to be worried about who's touching what like really you know like when things get hot and sweet that never made sense to me when things get hot and sweaty you're not going to be that worried about who's touching what really you're just going to be worried about getting to where you need to go i'll take your word so so again this is yeah this is my imagination i haven't researched it personally so so, so what, that never made sense to me. So my boys touch each other, but it's only because of her, because of the relationship with her. And then that whole, because to me, if you've got a, the woman as a pivot point and the two guys coming off, all right, but if you make that a triangular, it seems much stronger to me. Yeah. It seems much stronger when three people love each other. And I think with three people love each other, you don't get the same, fictionally speaking you don't get the same jealousies you don't get the same possessiveness you don't like it's all very different when you're working together as a team so that made more sense to me but also when it's two men and one woman whereas most people i think out there in the world would think of a menage as two women and one man oh not if they read erotic romance okay anyone anyone in my world okay yeah, no yeah, anyone in my world knows it i haven't read the Alora's cave books yeah. okay so that's Alora's cave yeah. and yeah. that so okay so we're hoping eventually that the dragon yes. books yeah that dragon series will be published will be somewhere else or yeah. you I'll rehome them. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So then you've gone on with Pan McMillan, and that's yes. the witch books. Yeah, the witch which books. Which is great. Yeah. Okay. But now they're going to – you're going to end up – Yeah, I have – I the Pan McMillan books, the the witch books were published by the digital arm of Pan McMillan Australia. Right. That was and Momentum. That, Momentum, yes. yep. And then Momentum got ex- absorbed into the parent company and it just wasn't a good fit. No. And so I asked for my rights back and they – very kindly gave them to me without a quibble because they were under no contractual obligation at all to do that. So yeah. that I was very grateful to them. So I've got the rights back. So they're mine now. And I'm actually at the point now where I'm deciding whether to rehome them or whether to republish them, yeah. um, self-publish them okay. myself. That's, That's you know certainly something you could easily, yeah. easily do. Yeah. And they're certainly worth uh, getting out there again because yeah. they're really good. Thank you. Now, but the new series is with... Another publisher. Yep, Evernight. Yeah, Evernight. They're a Canadian publisher. Oh, mm. okay. And I'm, they're, I'm really happy with them at the moment, yeah. Now, this is the Gendari series, yeah. and yeah. the Gendari are an alien nation yeah. Yeah. come to Earth yeah. as sort of um, universe refugees. Yeah. Yeah, from it's their really planet. Funny. People go, what do you want to do now? And I go, alien shapeshifters. <laughs> It's not as lame as it sounds, I promise. It's not lame. Not yeah. lame at all. Because well, like, for yeah. last year I tried to write a contemporary, just a straight, a straight contemporary yeah. romance, and I was so bored I wanted to scoop my brain out with a spoon. And I, I had I took me three months to write six thousand words and I just wanted to kill myself. It was terrible. So I so I actually you know and actually it was really good because I had then I had to sit back and go, All right, what is it about writing that I love? What is it that makes my heart sing? What is it that makes the whole process, making me want to get up in the morning and sit at a computer for eight hours. Mm. And a lot of that's world building. A lot of it's the imagination and the creating the new and the interesting. And so the idea is the, that this this group of um, refugees, they, they, they're looking for somewhere unoccupied, but they, they're so battle-scarred that they get here and they can't go any further. So they have to find a way to, wait, find a way to make it work living right. here. Yeah. 
So our heroes again are the warrior archetype because that's what I do. Yes, well they're pretty. And, um, he's pretty gorgeous. And Cal- they have Talus. Yeah, yeah, and they have a companion animal who I, I actually based it on um, like the Canadian lynx. You know the the wild cats. They're really yeah. beautiful. So I based them on the Canadian lynx, and they're kind of their their battle companions. But the the cats have their own, or their cats. So you know it's pretty much feed me, stroke me. Now don't talk to me because I'm bored with you. Like they, you know, <laughs> so they're the hu- they're kind of the humour in in the story because they're very arrogant and they're now that's quite the hilarious. Mahen- Mahendra, Mahendra, yeah, Mahendra, Mahendra, yeah. Anisha Han's the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yes. yeah. and they're they're very cat like. Only they and they talk mind to mind to their to their to their, to their bloke, <laughs> to their warrior. Yeah, to fantastic. Their, yeah. So this is the first book, Tempting Flame. Yeah, but there's a second book yeah. on its way. Yeah, really soon. Um, Breaking Ice is a second book, and that'll be out in the next, you know, within the next month, I suspect. Fantastic, and that's weeks. another ebook. Yes, so just yeah. available for your Kindle or yeah. your iPad or whatever. Yeah, yeah. fantastic yeah. across all the formats. Mm. Great. And so, do you have, you know, for the future? Is this this is a series? Yes, there'll be four in that. Four books in the four, series. Four tends to be my happy place. Okay, great. That's fantastic. <laughs> but are we thinking perhaps a, a different genre for the future? Perhaps. Yeah, um, at the moment I've got a an idea for a um. A small town coastal American, mm. and I think I want to write something with a bit more humor because I tend to, I have humor in all my mm. books, I have an undercut of humor in all my books. But I've been reading, um, I've actually been reading Jennifer Cruzy lately, and I, oh, yes, and I, yeah. and I really, I'm really enjoying it. And I just, I don't know whether you know, we all have a bit, a bit of, I had a bit of a tough time, um, with family issues, and as we all do, but I just wanted to write something that that just made me chuckle a bit, you yeah, know. Yeah. And so I was reading that and I thought, oh, geez, you know, I'm really enjoying it. And so I had the the really boring, you know, the boring story that made me want to kill myself. <laughs> so I'm thinking about writing a contemporary with a fair bit of humour in it um, and that will be my next foray once I finish with this series and Fantastic. find a home for my dragon books and maybe self-publish my fridge books and well, sleep for a week. <laughs> you're, you're, I will say, Darwin, you're extraordinarily prolific and, mm. um, you know, obviously have a long and very successful career I hope so. to continue and, and ahead of you for many years to come. I hope so. It's been a delight having Thank you, you in the book, Thank Kate. you for having me. But before you go, yes. you have to answer the question that we ask every visitor to the book cave. We always want to know our time capsule that we're going to leave the world, let's say, a thousand years from now, mm. and you need to contribute your three books. My three books. Okay. <laughs> The Complete Works of Shakespeare, ah. Wuthering Heights, because I'm, you know, Bronte, not Austin, <laughs> and Nora Roberts, because everybody needs a bit of romance. Wonderful. Okay. We need one more because you can't have Shakespeare. Really? Yeah, I'm afraid That's not. so rude. Well, he's already in there. One more. Shakespeare, oh. Greeks, the Greeks and Austin are probably all in there. All right. Well, I reckon... Oh, let's stay with the Bronte that go Jane Eyre. Okay. So Jane Eyre, mm. Wuthering Heights, yeah. and Nora and, Roberts. And Nora Roberts because they're all good. Oh. <laughs> well, what was the first thing she wrote? Do you know? No, I tell yeah. you, my favourite my favorite series of hers is the Chesapeake Bay. I okay. love those books. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll do the Chesapeake Bay, yeah. Nora Roberts yeah. books. Yeah. Fantastic. But now why why Jane Eyre and Wuthering Heights? Oh, we, I did um, Wuthering Heights in year 11 at school. Mm. And really, the first three times I tried to read it was terrible, and I hated it so much I just couldn't. I couldn't get there. And one of my teachers said to me, "Take a couple of hours and read till at least the first six chapters." And so I did that, and I ended up really falling in love with it. And again, it's and for Heathcliff particularly, it's the romance of him 
So not the reality of him, because if he was a real man, you wouldn't go on a second date. But it's the romance of him, the idea that he loved her so much that even death wasn't enough to keep them apart. I just, it just, that the princess, <laughs> that I think that, you know, because I'm a, like to the marrow romantic and that to me was just so beautiful and I love that he was dark and twisted and I even though I don't write that I actually like reading that and um and you know and you think about the background those girls had in the lives they Mm. lived just genius on the page genius on the page and Jane is same same thing it's such a different book it is a different book and I I, you know, she she's so clever in Jane Eyre at the very beginning when she writes about that put, that little girl stuck in the red room mm. being punished, and there's a there's a whole scene where she's she's sitting in a chair with her doll on her lap, and she's looking around the room trying to memorize everything before the fire goes out, mm. like terrifying. And that emotional anchor, that emotional anchor, she pulls the reader in and just kicks you in a fist lock for the whole book. But there's a whole scene where Rochester is begging Jane to marry her, and it goes on for about. <sighs> 10 or 12 pages, I think, and it's just not one word is boring. It's just heart-wrenching, the whole thing where he's begging her and begging her and it never gets old. It's just beautifully crafted and so clever and for them to have no real, for all of that to be instinctive, Mm. oh, my goodness, they're just madly impressive, those girls. So, you know, and Rochester and really... Not not Wuthering Heights so much, but um, Jane Eyre's a romance, really, even though no literary person will admit it. But many of the great classics are romance. Of course they are. But they can't call them romance because then they wouldn't be able to study them at university. You have to call them literature. If they called them romance, then, you know, they'd be able to bag it like they bag what we do. So. Well, often literature if they're written by men. Yes, well, that's true. Yeah, there's always a little credibility, doesn't it? But that's probably a discussion for another day. <laughs> I think so. Thank you, Delwyn. It's Thank been you so much for wonderful. having me. It's been a pleasure. Fantastic. Thanks. In the Book Cave was recorded at the Mance with the assistance of 94.7 FM Geelong and produced by Corner Shop Studios, Jam Lab and Creative Geelong.